Welcome to another episode of the Raw Podcast, the history of the Richmond Football Club told by those who were there. I don't think there's any other podcast about Australian football quite like this one. And this episode focuses on a player who came to Richmond. He was signed by Richmond as a 14-year-old. And by the time he had turned 18, he was a premiership player. This is the story of Noel Carter. Noel, I have in front of me a letter that I believe you wrote on the 18th of July, 1979, when you lived in, uh, it looks like Wilson, WA, is that correct? First property I bought in Western Australia. Really? After you finished your time at Richmond and all that, obviously, yeah. Yes. Um, Do you remember writing this letter to Kevin? I would have written it, because if you've got it, I've written it. (laughs) It says, allow me to read it to you. Dear Kevin. May I take this opportunity to congratulate you on your magnificent achievement in breaking Jack Dye's 310-game record with Richmond. It looks like then you've written Titchy, which I'll speak more about in a second. I read a newspaper report on Monday which said you would like to go on playing forever. I wish you could, but we all know that that's impossible, so I would like to uh, wish you every success for the next for the rest of your playing days. I will never forget my association with you at Tigerland and will always be proud to reminisce about a new living legend at Richmond. Kindest regards to you and your family, Noel Carter. There you go. You know, obviously you still followed your teammates even when you went back to WA. Yeah, well, I'd only been gone, only left at the end of 77, so yeah. it was still pretty fresh, yeah. yeah. And did you have a good association with Dad? With your dad? Yeah. Yeah, I had a great association. I minded the Ford Pocket for him. <laughs> well, you did a very good job at that. Well done. <laughs> no, I got on, got on, I got on I think very well. I didn't have any issues. I mean, he was a genuine great player, and um, for me to sit in the pocket or for me to, um, you know, to ride sort of shotgun for him, that was fine. It must have been quite a noticeable achievement that Dad was approaching Dyer's game's record. Is that right at that time? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's a, it's a fairly significant amount of games. And, yeah. you know, I mean, he went on from there. Well, he certainly stacked, stacked the games up. But And he wasn't one bloke that was sort of saving himself for every week, although he didn't train that hard. But, you know, he certainly covered ground. How did you train, uh, Noel? Did you, were you a hard trainer yourself? I was. I was a hard trainer because I didn't have... I wasn't blessed with um, super pace or um, with, you know... Um, a1 schools, but I, my prowess was I could keep going all day, so that's how I trained. But I was I was pretty well nearly always first on the track at Richmond. Really? Yep. Did you have a job at that stage? Yeah, I worked at the State Bank and just up the road in Swan Street, so I could get a training reasonably early. So I was always out there early having a kick or doing something. Yeah. Was there anyone else who sort of a, you know appeared around about that time early on in the uh, training, or did everyone sort of start to arrive at once, or did anyone always hang around at the end by themselves? Do you know? Or? Well, there was a, a lot of at, at that time, you know, all the keen blokes, Berkey and uh, Brian Wood, and uh, a few of us younger blokes used to always hang back after training and do some extra as well. Um, that was that was a given. Yeah. Um, we didn't have, you know, we we had. Everyone had a job and everyone at home at some stage, but um, um, you know, <laughs> some of the blokes who weren't so keen at training <laughs> left the track pretty early. Now I have to ask, Titchy, what's that? Well, it's, you'll have to ask Tommy because Tommy started calling him Titchy. I suppose, what would you think was it, what would you think was a Titchy? Some, a little something that whips around yeah. pretty quickly and zag, zags in and out. And right. 
Yeah, but that was Tommy started that. Right, I see. So you just so you, did you call Dad Titchy at the time? Well, we used to call him. Yeah. <laughs> well, we never called him hungry. <laughs> uh, we called him Titchy or Kevin. Yeah. Well, that that is something I've never heard before. That's very interesting. Did you have a nickname yourself, Noel? Uh, not at Richmond. Not I, at Richmond. I, I got one when I got here to. Um, to Perth. Right. I think there are, there are those... I never played league football, but if I did, I wouldn't mind having the career that you had where in your first year, <laughs> you played in a premiership. Yeah. In fact, in your and first come, five games. Yeah. Well, it... Did it all happen too soon? Well, if you look back and say, perhaps I you know, could have done an apprenticeship first, then I'd already done two years of league footy in Tasmania, so I had a fair... Even though I was only young, I was just turned 18, I still had a fair grounding. But no, I wouldn't give it up because I mightn't have got the chance if I had waited two or three years. So I had to take the opportunity when it was presented. Um, certainly, you know, I appreciate it more now. Like, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks ago watching the grand final, um, you know, I still I can still get that feeling of um, hitting the MCG. I was reading somewhere where someone said that they all I heard was noise when they got it. When I hit the ground, I can't remember anything. It was it was so I couldn't hear a thing. So even though there was a lot of noise going on, so obviously you you just kick in to start concentrating on the game, even at that young age. I've had people say that once the grand final is over, that the first emotion they feel is relief. Hmm. Do you remember what yours was? No, I, I don't actually. I think I, I was pretty much. You know, I came off halfway through the last quarter and Kevin Morris went on to replace me. So I'd had a chance to probably, and we were, you know, 30-odd points in front, so I'd had a chance to sort of probably wind myself back a bit. So when the siren went, it was just, you know, probably what am I doing here? How'd <laughs> yeah. this happen? Yeah. Well, I'm intrigued. You, you came to Richmond where your first game was midway through the season, round 10 against South Melbourne. Did you just suddenly appear at Punt Road or were you there previously no. to that? I, I arrived. I arrived at uh, Richmond on the eighth of February, nineteen seventy-three. I know that because. Of, How do you know the date? It was the day before my birthday. February the ninth. Yes, yeah, so I was turning. I was turning um, eighteen the day after I got there. That's why I remember it. Um, I actually did the pre-season. Um, you know, I did the tan. I did all the running with. Um, Gilbert Romeo and all that sort of stuff and I, I was getting prepared to, you know, to start the season um, in April whenever it, the first game was mm-hmm. but I couldn't get a, I couldn't get a clearance for my home club Olveston in Tasmania wouldn't clear me and uh, there was a bit of processing going on between the club and Alan Swab at the time who was in charge mm-hmm. so I don't know what sort of hardball or whatever that what each which each party was playing but I was just training and not going anywhere, so, you know, I was sort of, um... um Were you able to play reserves? No, I couldn't play anything, but what actually happened was, because that was the day before, emails and faxes and all that sort of stuff, I ex... Olveston and Richmond finally agreed uh, to my clearance and whatever terms um, were happening, and I actually went home and played for Olveston once that was agreed to for two weeks. It must have been part so of the they agreement. Flew, they flew me home for two weeks and I had, I had two weeks of match practice um, with Olveston yeah. at home. So it was, it was crazy. Well, because it had to go through the NWFU, then through the TFL, then through the VFL. And it was it was a really long day to process. So 
once they agreed on it, I did play two games for my home club. And then I played, uh, you know, I started playing the reserves and, yeah, I played my first game at South Melbourne. Sat on the bench with Roger Dean. Did you really? Mm. And Roger was near, near the end of his career at that stage? He was coming to the end, yeah. But yeah. was he still that, you know, that figure on the field that could be quite commanding and tough? He was. It yeah. was very tough. He actually he ended up captain in the reserves, I think, in '73 in the grand final because yeah, right. that year we won all. We won every comp. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we did too. That's right. We ran everything from the juniors all the way up. Yeah. Um, well, that first game was at the Lakeside Oval on the the ninth of June in 1973, and Richmond. I kicked a goal with my first kick. Too. I was about to ask. You kicked a goal. Was it? <laughs> what do you recall about your first kick? Where was it? Oh, it, it was. It was going towards the city. Um. At Lakeside Oval, and uh, you know I can't remember exactly how I could hold the ball, but it did fail through. Gee, you thought, "Hello, how good's this?" <laughs> well, after you know, after you know, doing all that training and not being able to play, and then flying home for a couple of weeks, and I'm not sure I'm going to play three, three or four games with the Resies before I actually got it, you know, got to sit on the bench. Yeah. Then I was back to the Resies for a while, and the whole three games I played in the home and away series was all on the bench two against South Melbourne and I don't know who the other one was against uh, well I can tell you that your, your other one was against Footscray I thought it was at the, West Noble yes you, you have the unique uh, uh, fact of your first two games are against the same opposition mm. which uh, yeah. Jack Dyer that also happened to Jack Dyer strangely enough back in 1930 I don't know of many people who that happened to but um, you, there's something you've got in touch with Jack you can you know say that at well, some well, Jack was around when I was there because we, you know, we used to run into Jack quite a bit at uh, at um, what's the name Carson's um, garage, of course. Oh, <laughs> Ronnie Carson's, yeah. Ronnie Carson's garage. So we used to get fair, we used to see a fair few uh, icons and whatever else there, and they used to give us a bit of advice, us young fellas, on how we should be playing the game. So Dyer was there. Uh, was someone? You know, was a. I'm trying to think who else. Was it like Basil McCormick, or was he gone by then? No. Uh, no, Martin Bolger. No, he wasn't. But, Titus. Yeah, uh, um, there's plenty of blokes wanting to offer advice. <laughs> I don't know whether some of them, I don't know whether some of them played or not. Well, here but you Jack's, are. Jack, Jack's was certainly the one I, I always paid attention to. I mean, you're an 18 year old and you've got Jack Dye talking to. You. Is he just mm. is he just talking hyperbole? Is he just ranting and raving, or is he actually being quite no. specific to you? No, he's been quite spe- you know qu- quite specific. Yeah, and uh, he, he, you know one of his favourite songs. He just get in there and whack him. Mm. But you weren't that kind of person, were you not? No, no, I wasn't. I got funny ever. I was only ever reported once. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second, I think. Then, in, in in your first game, there were two players in the team who were younger than you. One of them was Richmond. Yeah, one of them was Robert Lamb. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, just and uh, a young Graham Teasdale. Mhm. Well, Robert Lamb. I played against Robert Lamb in Schoolboys. Oh right. Sixty nine. In sixty nine, he captained Victoria. That, that was a carnival in Western Australia. He captained Victoria, and I captained Tasmania. Gee, what an mm. achievement that is! Wow. Mm. Well, yeah. that, your, your, your first game—you may not remember this. Your first game, which was against South, was the day the Graham Teasdale kicked six goals on debut for Richmond. Uh, Is that I don't that. No, but I know was, I know Bedford and some of those players were playing for South Melbourne. Oh yeah, it's a, mm. it's a fair lineup, wasn't it? Oh. And one of You obviously when you when you came back from the reserves for round twenty one, you were against South Melbourne, then round twenty two against Footscray. So you, you obviously kept your place in the side. 
you weren't you weren't like they found a spot for you. Is that right? As they approached well, the finals. Yeah, yes, I guess so. Well, it was, well, it was, uh, it was I guess me and Shadow Daryl Cumming was um, he, he'd been warm in most of the forward pocket mm. um, throughout the year, and I guess they saw something. I, I'd had a couple of reasonable, reasonably good games in the reserves as well, which you know I guess they couldn't overlook, and um, and I guess I got the nod for that. Uh, first final. You did, and it was against Collingwood with a, a small attendance of 98,000 people there. You probably haven't seen mm. a crowd like that before in your life. No, <laughs> I hadn't. Not at the Olveston show, I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't have had that many people in the year. <laughs> uh, do you remember the preliminary final against Collingwood? Uh, I remember kicking, I think I kicked the first goal. Yeah, you're right, yep. So that was a good way to start. You know, yeah. And, uh, and Brunton, Brunton Avenue in. And it was a close game all the way. We ran out winners just by seven points. I think Royce won that game for us, didn't he? Well, I think it's... Yeah, he, he was the one who was the mastermind there. Yeah, Neil Baum also kicked five, so... Mm. Uh, when Neil was on fire, he was unstoppable. Mm. He just kept hitting people. That was his problem. I think Royce was, Royce was a bit... Wasn't well, I think. And he, didn't he play a pretty good second half? I, yeah. Look, I, think, I think that's how it panned out, but... Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's a long time ago. <laughs> it is, you know, we're talking 1973 here, yeah. Mm. Um, That's nearly 40 years, Red. I know, do you, have you ever watched the game again recently, Noel? Oh, I had a video of it. And I, I lent it to somebody and they didn't give it back, so I haven't watched it for right. a long time. Well, yeah. then we get to the, the crowning moment. It's your fifth game of league football. You're the youngest person in the Richmond side in 1973. And you're running out against Carlton, Richmond's arch enemies, and you've got a small crowd of 116,956 people watching you. How did you play? I played like I played every other game. It was most important. I used whatever skill I had, and I certainly used every endeavour that I could find mm. to get out of the pill. And I just I remember that first quarter quite quite um, vividly mm. you know, every time I got the ball there was one bloke waiting for it Sheedy really Gee. I think he took three passes off me in the first quarter and he kicked two goals from them so in this day and age they would be called goal assists I yeah, guess yeah, they? yeah I mean your dream team points would just be skyrocketing right about now it wasn't a dream though I knew it wasn't a dream <laughs> I mean how's this for a lead up though um, you know um we all meet at 11 o'clock at Punt Road Oval. Yeah. Um, what's the name? Cameron, Peter Cameron's dad cooks us steak and eggs or whatever else we had at 11 o'clock. Yeah. We watch uh, a video of a great... I, I don't know who's, which boxing match it was. We watched a video of that and then uh, got together and walked over to the um, MCG from Punt Road at sort of 12.30ish. Oh, that's what I remember. <laughs> so you had some sick... Some steak and sausages. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's steak and eggs or yeah. toast and yeah, but it's strange. I mean, all the all those gurus now that do all the orphan food and that they'll be they'll be doing backflips now. Did you did you often watch boxing events pr- before big matches? Was that a common um, Tommy Hafey thing that you recall? Oh, well, over a period of the five years I was there or four with Tommy. Um, yeah. yeah, there was. There was a few occasions where we did that, but he didn't do it all the time. He used it, you know, I guess as a bit of a motivational thing, but 
Jeez, I didn't need any motivation that day. Well, no, neither did Laurie Fowler. He went straight for John Nichols and knocked him off his feet. Where were you at the time? Uh, probably shaking in my boots. <laughs> up the other end, but uh, and sort of I've seen those videos of that. But if you're up the other end, um, yeah. it's sort of it just be, it's sort of just part of the play up the other end. I didn't see Barmy um, trying to swap that fly off um, South Beach, Florida either. You know, we were kicking. You know, we kicked 16 goals for the for the game. You kicked one yourself. Mm. Beautiful handball they set off Neil Baum coming through centre foot. And you did how far out were? Forty-five. Yeah. So we're talking a drop punt. No, it came off the boot. I don't know how it came off. It went straight through. <laughs> All right. What was your kicking? Kevin Bartlett. Kevin Bartlett Mungle. It was. All oh, right. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> what, what was your kicking style like? Oh, look. I'll Reliable, growing then. Yeah, pretty reliable. But mm. I, you know, I, I, my prowess was I could kick left and right foot. Oh wow! I, that yeah. carried me through, uh, right through um, throughout my career. So, um, you know, I, I, I should say this, but it got me out of a lot of trouble. I guess being able to go both ways. Yeah. Well, not everyone could kick both feet, could they? No. So, um, was that something that you practiced at training as well? Yeah, I practiced it when I was a kid. Oh, good work. When I was a kid, from I can remember when I was eight. When I was eight, playing in the grade twelve side, you know, the year twelve side, mm. or the twelve-year-old side, I practiced it then. Now, when you won the premiership, did they give you a medallion? We got a medallion on the day. Not on the ground, no, not on the ground. We got we got what Paddy shot at on the day. Right. Bugger all, but um, we got a cup, and that was it. We did get a footy with our names on it, and a. And a medallion with the team positions. You've probably seen it. Yes, I obviously. I, I'm I've hoping you still got yours. I've got mine. It's the only thing that I parade. Yeah. But it's something. Do you, do you just find yourself looking at it every now and then, just thinking back? I look at it every day, and I, you know, I think how lucky I am. Well, you're 18 years of age that game, and I'm intrigued to know how did they celebrate? Did you go out somewhere? Yeah. Well, we had some good celebrators in our side. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you Starting do. from the whale and moving down through Craig McKellar yep. and through uh, Robert McGee yep. and uh, Neil Baum and sure. um, yeah. Well, some of them were teetotalers, obviously. <laughs> the only two teetotalers were Tommy and Kevin. All oh, right, okay, right. So Francis wasn't right. Just checking. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Francis always had a beer, but he, he didn't party like these blokes did. Um, so did you go to? Did you, do you recall where you went after the game? No, but we had a dinner somewhere. Oh yes, we had a dinner at um, down at the Greyhound track. Oh really? Used to be, yeah, well, I suppose it's over the road. There used to be a where Olympic Park was. Yep. There was a, a what's the name centre there, an entertainment centre or sure. a function centre. That's yep. where we went. It, was, it wasn't that flash. No, I think. Tommy once told me that there were just trestle, t trestle tables there and... Probably. Yeah, crepe yeah. paper and that was about it. There was someone who played in that premiership called Stephen Ray. Stephen Barney Ray, yeah. number 13, came from St Kilda. I've, uh, he did, he simply walked, he walked into Richmond one day and asked to be traded to Richmond. He had, mm -hmm. he had enough of Alan Jeans. Yeah. Uh, and I, I speak to Stephen regularly because he lives uh, near here. Um, mm. Strong player, good player? Yeah, quite... Um Quite skillful. Yeah. Fairly elusive. Played half forward. Yeah. Um, I don't reckon he was fit. 
but I never thought he was ever fully fit. Well, he also had a, a comment. Yeah, sure. You also had in the in the team Royce Hart. I mean, was Royce as a champion as people say he was? Oh, I think he was sensational. Yeah. I mean, I I I, I was lucky. I played with Daryl Baldock as a sixteen-year-old, and he was thirty-three or thirty-four, and. He, uh, in the combined side on the, for the NWFU, that's the North West Football Union, and um, the Northern Tasmanian Association. Mm. But he was captain and coach, and I was picked in that side, and I played with him as a 16 and a 17 year old. And he was fairly special. Yeah. And I just give him the nod, because he was 5 foot 10 and played centre half forward, whereas Royce was only 6 foot 1 and played centre half forward. But um, mm. um, Royce wasn't that good at going right, whereas Bordock could go both ways. That's true, yeah. But, yeah, I just I just put him just behind Bordock. He could, uh, Ian Stewart would always tell me that Royce... Third. Roy- Third. <laughs> Ian Stewart. Stewie, Stewie, Stewie and I shared uh, three, one, three, three brown loaves between us. <laughs> and I'd have to put him third. I'm sorry about that. Well, I'm sure you've already told him that at some point. Yeah, I, I, I'm not telling you anything. I haven't spoken to anyone else about that. <laughs> But I was going to say, Stewie, uh, Stewie told me once that he always thought that it almost looked as though Royce was never going to take a mark. He always derived so late to a pack. He didn't. He came from the side. Yeah. And he was just—he just marvelled at how it was even plausible that he would actually get there in the end. He never came over the top. And that was Stewie was a very good mark for his size as well. Yeah. You know, if you're talking about, you know, um, um, sort of blokes are a little bit smaller that you take a mark. He was a very good mark. We set training. We used to have kick to kick before Tommy started, you know, uh, all the drills. Yeah. And, and that's the thing I think that most footballers miss now. And that's why you don't get these little blokes apart from the crackers, say. Yeah. But we, there was always a group marking both ends and there's the crummers and then there was the blokes, you know, not being that serious. Mm. But kick to kick or end end which used to have in the schoolyard and which we still did at Richmond in 73. Mm. I mean, that showed me that, you know, you've seen a lot of great marks and, you know, blokes jumping into blokes' backs and there was one bloke that used to always do that, Eric Moore. No one wanted to get in front of him. Um, but, you know, um, you could always see those blokes and Stewie and Royce stood out. On top of that, we had Kevin Sheedy still in the team. Yep. Uh, he was 25 years at the time. How, how was he, you know, in, in about 73, 74? Was he at, no, at the peak of his skill? Then. What was that? You, were, you could talk to him then. You could have a conversation with him without <laughs> him knowing everything. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas these days... Oh, uh, shit, I, I spoke to him, you know, a few months ago. Well, now he just can't get near him. He's, you know, he's one step off being Prime Minister, I'd say. But he's still, he was still in his plumbing gear when I first got there. Yeah. You know, he didn't switch a little bit later to a tracksuit where he was doing clinics and all that sort of stuff. But the sure. first year I was there, he was in plumbing gear. Turn up all in his plumbing gear all the time? Yeah, yeah. Now, a few other people in your team. Merv Kane. Yeah. Tell me about Merv Kane, your thoughts on him. Oh, not much nonsense about Merv. Very serious. He was a quiet person too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. quiet. But he, he was, um, he got the job done. He was, you know, he didn't give much away really tight half-back flanker but he gelled so well with those blokes back there with Woody in front of him and yeah. you know um, Laurie or someone one of the big blokes Rex Hunt behind him they gelled in pretty well well we also had in the team Paul Sproul mm, Tasmanian yes so um, your thoughts on Paul Sproul as a player mm, well he came across from Essendon um, he was quite an intelligent type of player uh, obviously knew 
he'd, he'd been around a while, so he knew all places to be and not to be. Mm. Um, he's quite experienced, um, and he just added a bit of maturity to our side, I thought. Well, someone who would have had a locker near you, apart from Dad, uh, was Francis Burke. Yes, Burkey. Um, well, no one tougher than him I've played with. Mm. Perhaps Basil Campbell, perhaps South Fremantle, but Berkey, no one tougher, only equal. Yeah. Um, I was in their locker patch for a while, but after two years they moved me over to seven, so I left them blokes there to fight amongst themselves. <laughs> what was the reason for the old uh, Guernsey change? Well, Swabby just came to me and said, uh, while she retired, Wayne Walsh retired, he said, yeah. you want seven? I said, yeah, I'll take that, I'll move myself up. Oh, so who are you next to then with the lockers? Paul Sproul, six, and Dick Clay, eight. Oh, well, come on, that's that's fair people to have on each side. Yeah, so I, I thought I was improving myself a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've won the Premiership after your fifth game. I mean, did you think that was it? You're gonna, Or did you think maybe we're going to do it again? Well, well, I thought I, I was just there for the long run, and uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, I haven't done much wrong. I've ended up playing two games, and then for next year, I got what they... Termed, uh, you know, um, second year blues. I don't know whether I had second year blues or that's just the excuse I used. Um, so two games in the next two years, league games. Um, you know, it was a bit of a hit over the head. So it wasn't an injury or anything. It was just no. form. No. Yep. Or perceived that. Or you yep, can perceive form. Yep. You can get back in the team once you're out. No. Gee. And then from then on, you know. Seventy-five seemed to be a better year for you. Yeah, third, fourth and fifth year um, were better. Um, I was crook in one year, 76. I missed the back end of the season with Stevens Johnson syndrome. I was in Fairfield Infectious Diseases Hospital. Sorry, Stephen yeah. Johnson's syndrome, did you say? Stevens Johnson syndrome, yeah. Can you Rare tell me what allergy. that is? Rare blood allergy. Wow. They're not sure how I got it, but I tell you what, a few things changed at the club when they put me in Fairfield Infectious Diseases. They weren't dipping in the uh, old drinks bucket anymore there was oh, right. coming out the proper way yep. they called it the, we used to call it the diphtheria bowl anyway yeah exactly yeah mm. um so things changed that that, that um, sorry can i just ask i mean was it something that occurred overnight for you that syndrome or was it something that well no no what actually happened was we played essendon on the saturday at windy hill and i was feeling a bit crook and i drove out to our club doctor dr john tickell hmm. Uh, the next day to just get him to check out see how I was going and he gave me some um, he gave me a bit of a shot to keep me you know to try and straighten me out yep and on the Wednesday I went and seen Bill Granger at Kodak because he was our doctor as well but he was resident at Kodak mm. um, and he um, didn't see him I was crooked home and Kevin put me out there Kevin Morris because I stayed with him and uh, they put me straight in Fairfield Infectious Diseases Hospital. I didn't even go home. So. How long were you there for? 21 days. Good God. And was it something that... Is it a syndrome that's quite life-threatening? Uh, well, I didn't... Well, I don't know what percentage I had it, but, you know, you get blisters all over your body and you get yep. all sorts of gunk and stuff. And yep. Conjunctivitis and discharge everywhere yeah um so it's something rotten inside you but um uh but you know i was treated with cortisone tablets and uh in those days you, they 
you know, I was taking 16 cortisone tablets a day in four lots ago, so they wean you off it, so you weren't allowed to come out until you were weaned off it and gradually right. come down the dose. So um, that was, I'm sure that was 76. Well, yeah, it looks like it. 75 was good because I think 75 I played quite well in the North Melbourne um, final at Waverley. Yeah, so ten we got bundled out. We got bundled out in that game. Ten kicks, two marks, six handballs. So you had sixteen disposals. Yeah. And you had seven free kicks for yourself. Good effort there. Well done. Put, put the body on the line, but most of those would have been in the forward line because, you know, I had a good number one rover. But let me just tell you, for, for two games in '75, I reckon it was. Uh, Tommy played me first rover because Kevin wasn't going that good. Yep. So that fired him up. One was at Geelong. I know one was at Geelong because um, I remember that and I can't remember what the second one was. So I made it for first rover for two games and you need to know that. Right. Because the, they're the two that the genius wasn't number one rover. Well, the Geelong game was round 13, which Richmond won. Yep. Um, but I'm not too sure of the other one. But you are right. I mean, it's interesting. I look through your career. You played in a lot of victories. Yep. I mean, in your first... If we go from 73 to 70 the end of 75. You lost to Footscray in your first season. Uh, you only played a handful of games in 74. And then in 75, you know, we only lost to Fitzroy, Hawthorne, Melbourne and North. So you only lost five games in, in you know, three seasons playing. Yeah, yeah. And then you get to the, the preliminary final against North Melbourne. I don't know what happened at Wakeley Park, but... Yeah, it was a, I think it was a bit of an ordinary performance by us that day. It was disappointing because we, we could have gone... Mm. You know, we won in 74, so there was a fair chance we were going for three yeah. in a row. Yeah, yeah. Um, my best game was... Um, you, you know how many uh, Brownlow medal votes I got? Two. Two. Right. Two Thom- singles I got in my career. I don't know where they were. But right. the other thing about it was um, the day that the state game was on Victoria versus uh, WA. Victoria came to WA and played, and I, we played um, Hawthorne. At Waverley, and that was that was my best game I think ever in my career. So it must have been seventy five. Um, no, no Brownlow medal votes that day because it was cancelled because the state players were away. Oh God, you gotta be joking! <laughs> How unlucky are you? Tommy was your coach, but you're also there at the time that he left the club, and I think Barry Richardson took over. Correct. Yeah. What What, what are your yeah. memories of that transition? Uh, not comfortable. Yeah. I mean, had, had you forged a, a very strong friendship with Tommy? Oh, of course. Um, you know, Tommy was sort of a bit of a father figure to me. He's exactly the same age as uh, my mother. I can remember, I've still got a book Tommy gave me, you know, um, when I was first in the first year, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've still got it in my, uh, in my library. Um, he, had a, he had a pretty good effect on most young blokes. I remember us used to, we used to go down to his place for uh, uh, tea sometimes. He was um, you and Maureen; they were really good. Yeah, I mean, um, well, you you know, I just worshipped him really. Uh, he always seemed to have a, he, he took an interest in everyone in the team, and everyone took an interest in everyone else, didn't they? Yes. You know, so if there I was a wedding, was, there, was everyone a, was wedding. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of teammanship. There. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was no there wasn't a lot of eyes around. But what was he like coaching-wise? Did he have philosophies or styles, or was he more just, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's think, a mind uh, thing? I, yeah, he, he never ranted and raved that much. Yeah. I mean, he was very, you know, he, he 
coach with a lot of direction. I mean, the you know we kick over the line and push up and get it, get it long to the full forward. You know, that's how we were coached, and we trained that way as well. But we used to do circle work back in those days, so and a lot of man to man. Your what, anyway. what, what are your memories, by the way, of Graham Richmond? Oh, very very influential. Everyone hung off every word he said. Um, I think he made and broke. He made a lot of people. He didn't break them. He just he actually moved them into other areas where they could be, you know, have just as much success. I mean, it's perfect perfect example in my case. You know, I can just I, I worked for him for a couple of years at the pubs, and um, I just remember when uh, you know in '77 after the season, you know, I'd just speak to Swabby and whatever about. I was recruited to Richmond just on normal match payments, and um, and I got uh, miss, they bought me school books in 1970, put fifty dollars towards me school books, and that was my signing on fee. I mean, Royce got a suit, I just got school books, um, and I was on normal match payments, and I just asked for you know I was a five year player by then, mm. premiership player. I just asked for something a little bit more, and they said there wouldn't be any room for me. Um, and they had also had in the back of their mind that Waitman was coming through. Of course, yeah. So they, I said, well, okay, well, what about if I have a look around at some other club? And I uh, said, like, you won't be going to any other VFL club. Gee. Uh, you can, you know, you can go to South Australia, West Australia, whatever you like, but you won't be going here because they they'd been badly embarrassed by clearing um, Teesdale and by clearing... Ryan Roberts and oh, sure. Laurie, Fowler, yeah. Laurie, Laurie uh, Fowler, they cleared to Melbourne, he won their best and fairest. So they, they'd been embarrassed in a fair, few areas. Tuesday, winning uh, Brownlow, and Whale was runner-up, I think, as well. So yeah. either runner-up or third. So they said, we won't be clearing you to any other VFL club. And I know for a fact that there was a patient like Bollingwood sitting on um, Paddy Ganane's desk and it never got moved, it just sat there. Well, Paddy, was was he recruiting around at that stage? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't believe that you were signed, and you know, one of the incentives was the old uh, fifty bucks towards the uh, exercise books. That's tremendous. The school, the school books. Yeah. And now, what, what school obviously did you? They want, obviously, they wanted educated uh, second or over. Yeah. So, what school did you go to when you came across? I didn't go to school. That was I was still schooling. I was only four, I was only fourteen. What when Richard signed you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was signed on a form four at fourteen years of age after that carnival. Uh, that um, the schoolboys carnival that I was talking to you about with, yep. and I was a captain, and Robert Lamb was uh, captain of uh, Victoria because I played again next year in 1970 in Brisbane as well. I was captain of Pazzi. I played in two. I, I've got this vision that here you are, you're a 14 year old, you're at your parents' place probably, and someone's knocking on the door with a form four. Did it work like that? Yeah, um, Swabby. Right. Alan Swab and Max Scales came Max? all the way. Good God. To, came all the way to Guns Plains, sat at our, sat at our dinner table. Did after it? they nearly got killed going across the railway line to Penguin, there was a story about that. Swab used to always tell that Alan nearly got stuck on the railway line. What, the car? Hmm. They, they, they were driving towards to you and the car got stuck? Is that what happened? Well, they, they were doing, they were working up the coast somewhere. We, we were inland. We were in, there's no train lines where I come from. There's no train. Oh. No bus. Now, did it take much convincing to sign the form for? Well, I couldn't sign anything because Dad had to sign it because oh. I was too young. So. And your dad was oh, happy. We just, I, I just, we never knew about 
contracts and <laughs> Dad was a truck driver and, you know, and I was just a, a kid that wanted to play footy. Because I remember after that, you know, Carlton, North Melbourne tried to get me, but they couldn't get through the Form 4s in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Richmond got in early. I wonder, I mean, did they watch you play in those carnivals, obviously? Yeah, there was a bloke, like, I've forgotten his name, there was a bloke who was around Richmond for a long time, he used to be a school teacher and went to all these carnivals. He was the one that found me at the carnival. It's, it's strange, when people think of premiership players, the name Noel Carter doesn't often come up, does it? No. Are you recognisable over there, where you are in Perth? Yes, yes. And people recognise you as a Richmond premiership player? No. What are you more recognisable as? I'm recognised as a South Fremantle Premiership captain. Right. WA captain. Right. And um, I'm recognised mostly, there wouldn't be one week that goes by, that in uh, 83, last game of the season, we're not um, close to the last game. We're playing East Fremantle, which is the local derby. Yeah. And I've got a free kick... Uh, 60 metres out and the siren goes and the scores are level and I go back and drill the torpedo through the behinds because they were closer because I was on an angle and we win the game by a point and that's the grand final captaincy and the that point behind after the siren are the two things that people talk to me about. So you, did you deliberately kick it behind? I deliberately aimed at the left end uh, Goalpost. So you wouldn't miss. Cut, so I could cut the angles a bit because that was a fair kick. It was into a, a small breeze as well. Yeah. Have you ever seen footage of the uh, kick? Yep. Um, as I'm speaking to you now, I'm watching it on YouTube. Would you believe? You found it. Yep. There it is. Sixth of June, 1983. East Fremantle versus South Fremantle. The last yeah, five minutes of the classic derby include Noel Carter's winning point. Yep. <laughs> you think I tell you a lie? No, I'd never, I, I was never aware, would you believe, of, of, of that. That's quite amazing. So it's very rare that someone would, come up and, someone would come up to you and say, you're Noel Carter who played for Richmond in the Premiership. Very, very, unless you're a purist. Well, there you go. Mm. Your last game with Richmond, your, your last game with Richmond was against North Melbourne in 1977. It was, it was a loss, but that was obviously right near the end of the season, and I guess that was it. The club, the, the club probably didn't make the finals, I'm guessing, and uh, well, see, under Barry yeah, Richardson. They, yep. They had a bit going on. Yeah. You know, oh, they didn't actually tell me that. GR, you asked me about GR. I didn't finish telling that story. Um, Sorry, go ahead. He was the one who said to me, son, he said, son, yeah, there's some great opportunities um, in the east, uh, in the west or in South Australia by Christ. I think you should have a look at some of them. Go over and see him. Go and see Brownie and see what he's got to say by Christ. He said, you could be a little bit limited here. So it was nice. It was a nice kick in the teeth, but it was sure. he tempered it down as much that it didn't break him. Yeah, yeah. He was sort of, he was there to tell you the truth. Well, I, I, was wor- I was working, I was working in his pub, so oh. I didn't have to walk far for him to tell me. <laughs> did, to the office. Did he drink? No, never seen him ever drink. But he worked in the pub? Yeah, a couple of pubs. That's a fair effort, working in a pub and not drinking. Mm. So you left Richmond, you said goodbye, and you, you went over, as you said, to... I went to, so I went to... I went to Port Adelaide and had a look around. Right. And they were, they were when they were at their best, and then I went over to um, 
went to South Fremantle and had a look around and went home and packed and left. Uh, just finally, uh, Barry Richardson, coaching-wise, how different was he from Tommy? Completely different. Right. So Completely there different. wasn't any influence from Tommy sort of into him? Oh, look, there would have been internally, but um, but he wanted to be... He had to... I guess he, there's no good of him being another Tommy. Wouldn't he probably would have thought you'd keep Tommy if he was another Tommy. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was different. He was more... He was more, for a word, academic. Yep. More, more academically sort of minded as a coach. Sure. Um, but I only played the one year under him, so obviously I didn't make a huge impression on him. Uh, I'm watching your East Fremantle, South Fremantle kick. Now, a few things I need to ask. Have you got a moustache? Yes. Right, did you always have a moustache when you played? Well, obviously not when you were a young kid, but... Well, when I was, well... Yes, I always had a moustache. Excellent. I've never shaved it off. Oh, you still got it. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and it looks as though you got you got a free kick for in the back, from what I can tell. Is that right? Yeah, I boxed a free kick, and the bloke who gave it to me yep. is Michael Brennan. Oh, really? Monkey Brennan, yep. Boxed a free kick, and the umpire was Ron Buckley. Ron Bucky, I'm sure it was. Yep. And I knew we didn't have long to go, and I sort of half foxed it. And in fact, box it was. <laughs> in fact, you, you've then gone to almost go for your kick, and the sirens sounded, so it's actually stopped yep. you from kicking. So I've gone and load, reloaded. And and I'm watching it now, and I, I'll be honest, it's, uh, we've, uh, here we go. Now, no. That's George Grillis, that's George Grillisage. The late George Grillis? Yes, it is. The doyen of sports commentary. Now, we, we just need to make, make sure here, the crowd was already on the ground by the time you were kicking. They must have anticipated what was going to happen. But I, I knew... The bastards... The, my teammates nearly smothered me. I said I couldn't breathe. Yes, I can see that as we, sp- as we speak. I'm t- give us a bit of area. Give us a bit of area. Well, the fans are there too, and there's a policeman on a horse, so that helps. <laughs> see, that's adding to it as well. Uh, did you get raised up on the shoulders? Did they do that? No? No, I had a mouse over my eye. Someone whacked me earlier in the day. Because they were pretty tough games, those uh, derbies. Well, if I can end the conversation just by asking... Actually, I'll just tell you please just go one ahead. more thing about that game. Yeah, please. Um, Jeff Christian, who was a great was a sports writer, writer yeah. was Australian, very much respected, said that game was one of the best games of football he'd ever witnessed. Mm. Yeah. I've got a report on it somewhere on that. Yeah. If I can end simply by, by asking... If you think back at your time just at Richmond, what are sort of like the words or the phrases that sum up that experience for you as an 18-year-old? Probably how lucky I was. But then I learned over a period of time that you make your own luck, so I, I made that possible. Yeah, right. I, I, I probably believed in myself. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Noel Carter because... I don't think there's many interviews of him about his time at Richmond, and I think it's great that we're able to hear his memories of playing in a premiership at the age of 18. Now, you know the deal. If you're listening to this on iTunes, if you can drop a a review online, please, or click on those stars to give it a rating, five stars, that would be much appreciated as well. If you've got any suggestions too for anyone you want me to interview, you can just send me a tweet. Good thanks.